Alright. So today is Sunday, December the 3rd, 2023. Uh, we are going to be, uh, in our topic, or our book study is called The Jerusalem Project with Nehemiah. And today we're going to be looking at chapter 7 and it is lesson 8. So lesson 7 is one of these chapters in the Bible with all these, uh, names in it. So I've learned over the last few years that when I get a chapter like this, I just have somebody else in the class read it. No. Everybody's like, oh no, not me. Uh, so I'll just kind of fumble through that today with me. But, but, uh, before we get there, I've, everybody have a handout. And so, uh, uh, I just want to re- review real quickly. So the book of Ezra shows us God's restoration of the nation of Israel. So we know that. If you've been in in the Bible or, or around for any a period of time, you know that uh, they, the Jews were sent to Babylon for a 70-year captivity, which is recorded in the book of Jeremiah, because they disobeyed God. That was it. It wasn't because Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians were such a great warrior nation, which they were, but specifically because the Jews, the Israelites, disobeyed God and started following false gods, and God let them have a 70-year timeout that I talked about last week. Um, so he's, that, that's quite a timeout, 70-year timeout, out of the land. And so uh, in, in the book of Ezra, we, we see that Cyrus uh, lets the Jews go back under Zerubbabel, and then, uh, uh, so we see the book of Ezra shows us that God's restoration of the nation, they are brought back into the land. And then the book of Nehemiah shows us God's, you got a blank there, it's re- and what goes in the blank is, is reconstruction. So, the restoration first, and then reconstruction of the nation of Israel goes in your blank. And the book of Esther shows, uh, shows us God's preservation of the nation of Israel. Now, how did this happen that the books in the Bible just line up this way? This is very interesting. Because you have Ezra, you got Nehemiah, you got Esther. What comes after Esther? Job. Job. So you've got, let me, and then after Job, you got Psalms. So let me just run this back through again. In the book of Ezra, you got the people coming back into the land, the Jews. In the book of Nehemiah, things get started to get really put back together, specifically under him. And then in the book of Esther, she comes along, and the nation of of Israel is preserved because without her being there, they would have got wiped out. And so then you've got Job, and Job is is basically a picture of the Jews in the tribulation. And then in the book of Psalms. You got the king of glory stepping on to his throne. So when you look at the picture, you see Ezra, the people back in the land, Nehemiah, everything getting put back together, Esther, they're preserved, and then all of a sudden, you got a tribulation. Guess what? We're living this out right now. We are almost to the book of Job. Because in the book of Job, it's all about the Jews and the tribulation. And then when Psalms comes along, it's Christ back on the throne. Now, I will tell you this. The way our Bible is put together, no other Bibles, uh, 
basically have that outline before the King James did. Okay, before the Texas Receptus group. And so God put this in order. Even in the Jewish Old Testament, these books are not in the order they are. And you're like, okay, well, why is our Bible different than the Jewish Bible? Why are the books in different order? Because God's trying to tell us something. He lays it out. And it's like, you know, once we get to heaven, we're going to look back and we're like, oh my goodness, look at all the signs that God gave us to point to Christ. It's like He had neon signs all over the place in in our Bible, in creation, in everything. He's pointing us to what He's doing. And we see that kind of just the way these books are lined out. So in chapters 1 through 6, uh, we've learned so far about the reconstructions of the wall around Jerusalem. And it was finished in, if anybody was paying attention last week. Now, I'm going to give uh, Larry and Kim have a bite because they weren't here last week. But you guys were here, right? Is everybody here last week? That was here Today that was here last week? No. You wasn't here last week? No. Yes, you were. Uh, how many days did I say last last week did it take them to build the wall? You're on it. 52 weeks. I mean, 52 days. And so even everyone knew it was from God that this wall got built in 52 days. Because that was like an impossible task. Even their enemies knew that God was behind it. Okay? That's what the Bible says in chapter 6. And yet... This is interesting. Even their enemies realize this is from God, and yet they do not believe. They still didn't believe. Okay. So before, hold your finger here in uh, Nehemiah, and I want you to go to Revelation. I'm going to throw this in for free today. It wasn't in my original notes. So Revelation, I want you to go to chapter 14 and verse 17. In fact, I gave you the wrong verse. Revelation 14 and verse 7. So again, we're in the middle of the tribulation here. Revelation 14, 7 says, Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give God to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the foundation and the fountains of waters. Okay, so we're in not just in the middle of the tribulation, we're almost at the end of the tribulation with this passage. And here is this this uh, saying, uh, and uh, it's called in verse six. It's, let's read verse six while we're there. It says, "And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people." So, towards the end of the tribulation, you have this angel flying across the world, and he's given out the everlasting gospel. Now, what in the world is the everlasting gospel? I didn't know there was more than one gospel. Well, you need to study your Bible. You'll find several Gospels. Because what does Gospel really mean? Good news. That's what it means. The Gospel is good news. So, there are several Gospels in the Bible, but here it's called an everlasting Gospel. And the message is basically what verse 7 says, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains 
of waters. Do you see anything in that passage that says except Christ? It doesn't. The message here is fear God God and give Him glory for being Creator. So towards the end of the tribulation, when everything's about to wind down, there's a group of people and they're hiding in the hills and the rocks and all that and they are... They are, you know, hiding from God basically, and the message is, fear God and give Him glory for being Creator. And guess what? They refuse to do that. They not only refuse Christ, they refuse here to recognize God as Creator. Kind of sound familiar with what's going on today in our life? Yeah, you know, we all came from a, from a, a speck of dirt or something, I guess. I don't know what they're saying we came from, but they don't want to give God any credit at all. But we're seeing that. But anyway, uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Even at the very end, God always gives people an opportunity to choose Him. And yet they refuse. Some, most refuse, okay? So, um, in chapter 7 through 13, we will study the reconstruction of God's people. People goes in your blank. So chapters 1 through 6 was all about rebuilding the walls. But as I've said earlier, you know, this project that Nehemiah starts is kind of like a remodel. It always takes longer, takes more money, takes more time, and it takes more involvement than you ever thought at the very beginning. And it's the same thing with him. Now, I don't know if Nehemiah had all this in mind when he came back. Originally, he says, I want to come back and build the walls. But you know, the walls are done after 52 days. So then what? On on your handout. He saw the condition of the people and what they needed to know about God and from Him and that God was with them. Okay. I think he did too. I think he actually saw that from the very beginning. The walls was just a step to get to where he wanted to go. So, uh, so I have in your handout, the wall's finished, the gates are installed, then what? Does Nehemiah go home? No, he just gets started, okay? He's got more remodeling required here. So here we are, all the way up to chapter 7. The walls are done, the, the things are put on, and so the rest of the book, uh, Ezra is going to start spiritual rebuilding. Not physical, but spiritual. He's going to start working on the people, Okay? And so I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 7, so just bear with me, and then we'll uh, stop and go back and see what we can break down. Verse seven, uh, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, and I had to stop and read that a couple times, I'm like, these are two different guys. Can you imagine having two guys in charge of something with the names this close? You know, you'd have to come up with something, I would think. So Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And again, I've, I've talked about Nehemiah as a born leader. Everything I see Nehemiah do is like uh, right up front, just the right thing to do. He doesn't usually, you know, uh, quiver about the situation. It's like he is the man for the job. Okay? Verse 3, And I said unto them, 
Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open till the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch and every one to be over against his house. Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein and the houses were not builded. Verse 5, And my God put into mine heart to gather together the nobles and the rulers and the people that they might be reckoned by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of them, which came up at the first and found written therein. And these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those that had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away and came again to Jerusalem and to Judah, every one into his city. Verse 7, who came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Rehemiah, Nehemiah, Manna, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mezpareth, Bigvei, Nahum, Benah. The number, I say, of the men of the people of Israel was this. And here we got this long list. Verse 8. The children of Parash, 2,172. The children of Sheph, Atiah, 372. The children of Era, 600. Fifty and two. The children of Pehath Moab of the children of Jeshua and Joab two thousand and eight hundred and eighteen. The children of Elam a thousand two hundred fifty and four. The children of Zatu eight hundred forty and five. The children of Zeke seven hundred and three score. The children of Benui six hundred forty and eight. The children of Bebai. 620 and 8. The children of Asgad, 2,320 and 2. The children of Adonikam, 603 score and 7. The children of Bigve, 2,003 score and 7. The children of Adin, 650 and 5. The children of Adder, of Hezekiah, 90 and 8. The children of Hashem, 320 and 8. The children of uh, Bize, 320 and 4. The children of Hereth, 112. The children of Gibeon, 90 and 5. The children of Bethlehem, Anetapha, 104 score and 8. The men of Anathoth, 120 and 8. The men of Beth, Azimuth, 40 and 2. The men of Kirjath, Jerim, uh, Shirfiah, and Beareth seven hundred forty and three. Now I know I'm butchering these all up, guys. Can you repronounce all of those? Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you. How about I give you a list of them? They're found in chapter seven of Nehemiah. And if you want to do better, than me jump up. I'll let you come up and do the names. Okay. So just bear with me. Verse verse thirty. And the men of Rama and Gabba six hundred twenty and one. And the men of Mikmas. 120 and 2, and the men of Bethel and Ai, 120 and 3. So now you see some family lines, but you see people from cities also. So not all these people who are from Jerusalem. We're talking about all over Israel that had come back. And, and of course, when they came back, they went back to the cities that they were from. And yet they're pulled into Jerusalem at this point. They're not yet uh, sent out to go back into the, because they'd been building the wall. 
Verse 33, the men of the other Nebo, 50 and 2. The children of other Elam, 1,250 and 4. The children of Haram, 320. The children of Jericho, 340 and 5. The children of Lod, Hadid and Ono, 720 and 1. The children of Sanaa, 3,930. The priest, the children of Jedidiah of the house of Jeshua, 970 and 3. The children of Emer, 1,050 and 2. The children of Pasher, 1,240 and 7. The children of Harim, 1,017. The Levites, the children of Jeshua, of Cadmiel, and of the children of Hadava, 70 and 4. The singers, the children of Asap, 140 and 8. The porters, the children of Shalom, the children of Adder, the children of Talmon, the children of Achab, the children of Hadatah, the children of Shobai, 138. The Nethanims, the children of Ziha, the children of Hashapah, the children of Tebeoth, the children of Keros, the children of Asiah, the children of Padan, the children of Labana, the children of Hagabah, the children of Shalmei, the children of Hanan, the children of Gedel, the children of Gehar, the children of Reajah, the children of Reason, the children of Nekoada, the children of Gazam, the children of Azza, the children of Pasea, the children of Besei, the children of Minam, the children of the Nephesheism, the children of Bakbuk, the children of Hakapah, the children of Har, Harher, the children of Basileth, the children of Mahida, the children of Harsha, the children of Bacchus, the children of Sesera, the children of Tamah, the children of Nezia, the children of Hadapa, the children of Solomon's servants, the children of Sote, the children of Sapphoreth, the children of Perida, the children of Jala, the children of Darkon, the children of Gedel, the children of Shephatiah, the children of Hatil, the children of Pacharath, the children of, of Zebium, the children of Ammon, all the Nephinims, and the children of Solomon's servants were three hundred ninety and two. And these were they which went up also from Telmalah, Telharsha, Cherub, Adon, and Emer, but they could not show their father's house, nor their seed, whether they were of Israel. And the children of Deliah, the children of Tobiah, the children of Nakoda, 642. And of the priest of Hebiah, the children of Kos, the children of Barzilla, which took one of the daughters of Barzilla, the Gideonite, to wife and was called after their name. These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they as polluted and put from the priesthood. And the Tershatha saith unto them, They that should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thuman. Now what's going on there? There's a group of priests that can't prove their genealogy. And the Tershatha there, that is Nehemiah. That is a, the name for governor uh, in Persian language, Tershatha. Okay, so he says, we can't let you guys serve in the temple until the high priest with the, with the, uh, Urim and the Thuman stand up, and we ask that question, and we get an answer.
So there's another kind of a weird thing that goes on. Uh, so, you know, this breastplate would light up. That's what it, that Urim and Thummim was. And you would ask a question and it would light up somehow and show you an answer. Crazy. I know, it's kind of wild. You'd never heard that? No. Yeah, so the priest had this, this breastplate and you could an, you could ask the priest a question and this ant, it would light up. It was like a, a early day computer that, you know, all these bells would go off and it somehow would give you an answer. Okay, so we'll keep going. Okay, if you don't believe me, you'll have to go back and check the Bible out. I know you're from Missouri. So, the whole congregation, verse 66, was 40 and 2,303 score. And beside their ma- their manservants and their maidservants, of whom there were 7,330 and 7, and they had 240 and 5 singing men and singing women. And their horses... Now. Now, Nehemiah just, he goes crazy on this numbering stuff. I mean, he's numbering everything. Now he's getting down to their livestock. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? And their horses. And God puts it down here, so I know there's a reason why it's here. God wastes no space in his book. So when you figure that out, why they're listed, let me know. And their horses, 736. Their mules, 245. Angela wouldn't like that. And there are camels, 430 and 5, 6,720 asses. And some of the chief of the fathers gave unto the work. The Tershatha gave to the treasure a 1,000 drams of gold, 50 uh, basins, 530 priest garments. How many, where, where do you get a priest garment at? I mean, remember back in the book of uh, Judges, there was a guy, Achan, and he took of the accursed thing, and and he took of the, what was it that he stole? You guys remember the story? Well, before that, he takes some metal. What metal did he take? Took a bunch of bars of uh, silver, right? And he hid them in his tent. But he also took a Babylonian garment, priestly garment, and hid in his tent. You know, and it was decked out with all these jewels and all this stuff. And I always wondered, what did he think he was going to do with it? Was he going to wear it somewhere? I mean, I mean, wouldn't that be pretty obvious? Or maybe he's just going to cut the jewels off it. I guess that's what he would do. Because I, my, my point was reading this story, why would you steal a Babylonian you know, priest garment unless it's something of value? Okay, maybe it was. Be sure I'm not going to wear it. Uh, verse 7... Um, Verse 71, And some of the chief of the fathers gave to the treasure of the work 20,000 drams of gold and 2,200 pounds of, or pound of silver. And, and that which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 drams of gold and 2,000 pound of silver and three score and seven priest garments. So the priests and the Levites and the porters and the singers and some of the people and the Nethanims and all Israel dwelt in their cities. And when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Now, again, why does God put all that in here? So we're going to see what we can learn from that. Uh, it sounds like, you know, the Tershatha, which is Nehemiah, he's, 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 he's putting, he's writing things down. He's writing everything down, I think it seems like. He's making a record of it. You know, I have somebody smart in my family who says, you know what, Bob? Always make a written 
copy or record of whatever's going on because then you have that. You can always go back to it. I haven't always done that and it's bit me. But she's like, yeah, don't just keep it on the computer. Keep a written copy. My wife's pretty smart. So, um, well, she does have a business degree. So, anyway, <laughs> she's like, get it in writing. Now, that's pretty good advice, isn't it? And so, here we have this guy, Nehemiah, who was from the king's, basically his household. He's not some slouch. I mean, this guy's got his act together. So now he's, he wants to start working on the people to get them ready where they can have worship with the Lord. That's what he's focusing on. So he's starting to put things in order in your handout. So Nehemiah sets things in order. And number one, servants are appointed, verses one through four. So, uh, so again, Nehemiah is, is trying to get the people where they worship God physically, spiritually, and really economically. Because you've heard me say this before, that when God set the the Jewish people in the land of Israel in the Old Testament, with, with they had everything they needed for their economy. They had the priests, they had the Levites, they had, they had cities that you could run to if, you know, if you accidentally murdered somebody, or if you did murder somebody, you run to the city, they, they worked the case out, and if you were guilty, you know, that was it, they executed you, if you were free, if you were not guilty, you got, so the whole economy was based, even, even, even to the fact that on the 50 years, if you were in debt, everything reverted back to a start over, a do over. In 50 years. So he had the economy. All they had to do was obey God and, and, and do his laws. And they wouldn't do that. And so Nehemiah, I believe, is trying to get that back in force. So the porters, the singers, the Levites, and then, and then he puts the security up. And that was those two guys. Remember Hananiah and, and Hannah, Hanani? Hanani is his actual, I believe, is his actual brother. So these two guys were chosen, and you have a blank there. For for being faithful men. So I mean, this guy is a is a leader. He's not just putting his friends in on position, and he's not putting just any schmuck in position. He's putting faithful men. Well, that fits right in with our discipleship in Second Timothy two two, right? Teach faithful men. Put faithful men in position. Okay, so they're putting faithful men because they feared God and they also, what does, what do you think that means when it says that these two men feared God in verse 2? Because it says, and they feared God above many. They reverenced him, right. So, um, I don't know if that's in your handout. I think I put it in brackets in mine anyway. They had a reverence for God. So not only were they faithful men, they had a reverence for God at the same point. So he's putting faithful, godly men in key positions. So the servants were appointed, but then the bloodlines are checked in verses 5 through 69. And you begin to think, okay, so why would he worry about the bloodline? Any any guesses? He doesn't want anything polluted outsiders. He doesn't want... Right. So he doesn't want some uh, people that claim they're Jewish they're jumping on the bandwagon, I guess, or getting back in. So he's... I mean... He, he And specifically with the priests, the, the, the uh, Levites, they need to be in the bloodline that God had said. They needed to be uh, in the bloodline of Aaron. 
Um, not all, not all, um, Levites were priests, but all priests were Levites. So they needed to be in that bloodline. And he also wanted to check the bloodline of the people. So it's, he's got two or three reasons why he's doing this. And so in this long list that I just read to you, uh, I just want to point out that, uh, we also see a list in Ezra chapter two. And the list in Ezra chapter 2 doesn't match exactly with Nehemiah's list. And there's a lot of people that go, oh, wait a minute, the Bible has contradictions in it. There's two lists here. Well, number one, uh, we're talking a, a little bit of time span between this. So Zerubbabel went, went back about 90 years before Nehemiah does. Ezra gets into the land 11 years before Nehemiah. And so, when Nehemiah comes along, do you think the original list got added to? There's probably people being born. So, there's several different reasons why they don't match. Uh, number one, people are born. Uh, um, let me look at my notes here. Uh, there was probably more people on the original trip than what was listed. And maybe they picked people up along the way and they lost people along the way. It's kind of like, you know, the pioneers and they're leaving Independence, Missouri and heading to Oregon. They probably lost some people on the way. I don't know if they picked up many people on the way, but I mean, they could have. But the closer they got back to Israel, they may have picked more, you know, people up. That could be one of the reasons why. Um, population. Um, and let's see what else do I have on my list. Um, and yet, when Ezra came, another group came with him. So you got the original list that came back with Zerubbabel. Another group of people came back with Ezra. And in fact, there's two groups that came back with Ezra. And then there's a little group that came back with Nehemiah. So they're probably not going to match. But yet, he has to start somewhere. So he, I would imagine what, I, what he does. He starts with the, the list that he had from... Uh, Zerubbabel that we see in the book of Ezra and then others were added on that list. And so that's why they don't match. But we see uh, the bloodline uh, starting out with, guess who he picks on first? Let's go back and look at this. Verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 5. And my God put into my heart to gather together the, who's the first ones? Nobles and the rulers and the people that they might be reckoned by genealogy. He picks on the nobles first. And remember when the walls were being built, I think, Roger, you brought this up. There was a group of people, that, that the leaders and the nobles of that, Tekoites, that just didn't really get involved in the work, did they? No. And so Nehemiah starts at the top. He's like, we're going to start at the rulers and the nobles and the leaders of the people. We're checking your bloodline out first. You're top of the list. Okay, and so I don't know how they looked at that. Maybe they're like, oh yeah, we should be because we should be at the top of the list. Or maybe they looked at it like, well, you're picking on us. You shouldn't even be worried about our bloodline. But he does because he's going by the book. And so it starts with the nobles, the rulers, and then the people. So in verses 39 through 42, we have the priest. In verse 43, Levites. Verse 44, singers. That's kind of interesting. Singers, they're 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 pick, they're listing out the singers because you got to watch out for the singers. We don't have a well, we do have some a short choir, and there's a few ladies on that. 
and you know and James. You got to watch out for those singers. Um, but again, he's putting the whole thing together because what's he want them to get to the point where they're worshiping God the way that God had intended. The porters, verse forty-five. Nanathanims, verses forty-five through forty-six. And I think earlier, a couple of chapters ago, we talked about the Nethanims were basically descendants of the Gibeonites that came in in the book uh, of Joshua. Remember the Gibeonites that they came to Joshua and they and Joshua had been wiping everything else out, and the Gibeonites came in and they were all they had old clothes on, moldy bread, and they go, "Hey, we 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 you know uh, we live far away and it's taken us so long to get here, but we just want to be allies with you." In reality, they were just on the other side of the hill and uh, they just didn't want to get killed. And so, uh, and, and so basically what happened was they, they made a treaty with them, which they shouldn't have made a treaty with, but the, the result of it was the Gibeonites had to be servants. And so the Nethanims are, are the descendants of those people. And then it talked about the children of Solomon's servants from all the way back when he was king, verses 57 through 60. And then we see some non-pedigreed people in the group from uh, verses 61 and 62. Now, uh, let's go over and i got to turn my page over. It has so many here. And I found this very interesting. It says, the children of Deliah, the children of Tobiah. Now, I don't know if this is the same Tobiah or not. But we've talked about a Tobiah before. We talked about a Tobiah last week. And so let me just remind you who he was. Turn back over to chapter 6 and look at verse 17. And we've seen him all the way through the book of Nehemiah because Tobiah is like the, uh, the friend of Sanballat, which is the enemy. Tobiah was... Um, He's the Ammonite, I believe. Sam Ballot's a Moabite, but this Tobiah was a Ammonite. Verse 17 says, Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them, for there were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Rot, the son of uh, Jehanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. So that particular Tobiah was an Ammonite that married into the Jewish family. Is that the same one that we see here in chapter 8? His children couldn't come up with the right genealogy because they're, they're mixed. They're polluted. I, I think it's the same guy. Okay, so, uh, so we see a group of people that, that are Half breeds or whatever, you know, they're kind of like Ruth, but they're, um, but I think a lot of them were sneaking in because, because of profit. They wanted to make a profit of, off of God's people and kind of join up with them, but at the same time, you know, they were kind of like a Judas in the group. They had their own agenda. It was for their welfare instead of, they really didn't probably want to serve God, they just wanted to make a buck. Okay, so we have some non-pedigreed people and some non-pedigreed priests. Can you imagine being a priest in this group, but you can't prove your genealogy? You know, it was kind of like this. Well, my grandfather said that we were, you know, 
My my grandfather said he used to ride with Jesse James. Anybody in here? Your grandfather said that. I mean, that was predominant around this area. Yeah, my 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 family was kind of hooked up with the James gang. Everybody? Uh, probably not. You know. And so. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I'm losing my train of thought. But. Uh, uh, not everybody. No, I think a lot of people were just trying to jump on the bandwagon. But what a mess. So Ezra, I mean, Ezra came up with a list, but yet Nehemiah's got this list, and he's trying to figure out a bloodline from everybody in the country. <coughs> Can you imagine doing that in the United States today? We're going to check everybody's bloodline here. Well, guess what? We're all nuts. I mean, <laughs> we're all mixed up. We're like that Heinz 57, right, Mark? We're just all different. Can you, I can't imagine that. But that's what he's doing. He's trying to separate it out because in the Old Testament, you had to have the right bloodline to be the priest, to be the, to, to be the Levites, but you also needed to have the right genealogy just to be Jewish. Okay? And so why check the bloodlines? Because they wanted to see who was truly Jewish. Now, even today, bloodlines are a big deal. And all kinds of things. Anybody in here have have uh, purebred dogs? Okay, so you guys have some purebred dogs. You have a lot of people show dogs, don't they? Do you guys show dogs? Okay. When we lived on the farm, we had registered Simmental cattle. That was a, a long time ago. But uh, and my goal was to get some offspring that we could take to fairs, county fairs, national fairs, and show them. I never got to that point. But I found out when you took an animal to the state fair, Missouri State Fair, and it's a Simmental, whatever breed, but I know they did this for the Simmental breed. Anybody know what a Simmental breed is? Nobody knows anymore. But anyway, they would do a blood test to make sure that animal was purebred. Because you could breed it with other animals, other, other cattle, and, and it would, you might, you know, you might get hybrid vigor from it and a bigger animal. So when you shoot, showed this animal, it needed to be pure blood. Okay? So you do that, they do that with dogs, they do that with horses. You know, you spend two million dollars on a racehorse, you want the bloodlines that they say it is. So it's a big thing with, with animals, but in God's people, it was, it was huge with them also. So, um, so, Nehemiah just starts right off the top from the nobles down to the last and he wants everybody's bloodline genealogies in there because he wants to know who truly is Israelites, okay? And so the total of the congregation was 42,360 Israelites, 7,337 servants, and 245 singers. And so, um, and I told you that they wanted to check the bloodlines. I want you to go to verse 18 of chapter 7. It says, The children of Adonikam, 603 score and 7. Have any of you read this verse before? Does this pop out to anybody? Okay. Uh, well, six. Okay, let me read the verse this way. The children of Adonikam, 600, 606. 666. Not good, is it? 666 is always connected with the Antichrist. And yet, 
we know the Bible that the Antichrist is going to be Jewish, or at least part Jewish. Okay? And so here we have a connection with the people getting in the land, and here's this guy pops up, and he's connected with the number 666. Now, that may just be coincidence, but I, I think not. But uh, if you want to study that out, you're a Bible student, you can find a lot more out about that. So, uh, let me keep moving because I'm, I'm out of time. Their substance and their giving was recorded. Again, Nehemiah is writing things down. Nehemiah's offering himself is recorded. Some of the chief of the fathers offered, did you notice it said some of them? Not all of them, it said some of them. And the people's offerings were recorded. And the last verse in chapter 7 records that everyone was allowed to return to their home cities by the seventh month, which is the month Tesri. So there's a pattern here even. So the walls built, things are starting to get put back together. And, you know, after the walls built and things are starting to get connected, the dots are getting connected and Nehemiah is getting things moving along, he allows the people to go back to their home city. He's still working on things, but things, the people are allowed to go back to their cities. But the point I want to point out here is your blank is seventh, the seventh month. I didn't give you that. The seventh month is the same month that the fall feast fit in. Okay? So you got the Feast of Trumpets, which is Rosh Hashanah. You got the Day of Atonement, which is Yom Kippur. You got the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the feast, they call it today, Sekoth. All of those fit in September. And I think all of them within a week, if I really looked at it. And so uh, the point is, the point I'm trying to say is, everything, the people are allowed to go back to their land in time for the seventh month. And there are some other things in the Bible just happens to hit on the seventh month also. The dedication of Solomon's temple was on the seventh month. I wouldn't say just happens. God. <laughs> You're right. So the dedication of, the temple, of Solomon's temple happened to be on the seventh month. The birth of Christ, we could probably kneel down, is, is on the seventh month. The second coming, we can probably link to the seventh month. And the millennial reign of Christ, starting on the seventh month. Now, you have to do a little homework to get all those. But there's something about the seventh month with these three feasts. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you see the patterns in the Bible, they line up. So why is it all of a sudden God's trying to show us something? Things are getting put back together. The people are allowed to go back to their home cities in time... For the seventh month. Again, another picture of what God's shown us in the Bible. And uh, so take that and run with that what you want and uh, go from there. So let's pray and we'll get out of here because everybody will get a good seat if we don't get going. <laughs> so uh, Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this chapter, even with all the names in it, with all the, the things that are listed, Lord. It's just uh, uh, you know who are yours. And uh, you know who were yours back in the Old Testament as well as today, Lord. So we just thank you for this uh, story of Nehemiah of, of getting the people back in order.
and getting them ready for worship, Lord. And I pray that we would uh, put the same uh, steps in our life, Lord, that we would put things in our life to get us to the point where we can worship you freely. So we thank you for this story. And I just ask again a blessing upon today and upon this week. And in Christ's name, amen.